I'm Micah Boyette, and you're listening to The Slow Way, a podcast about the quiet goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. This is a little sacred space where we're learning the inefficient gifts of rest, of prayer, and the practice of going slow in a world that tells us our worth is found only in our speed, success, or power. This is a space where we practice paying attention to what's real. The true thing deep down underneath the surface where love lives. Remembering that sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. I'm grateful you're here making space to be reminded. This is episode 68, Imagining the Saints, Undoing the Knots. Let's go the slow way. Last weekend, I traveled to meet Chris partway through his work trip to Rome. Thanks, Mom, for watching the kids. We'd been there once before together 11 years ago. That time, we saw all the big things, the Colosseum, the Vatican, the Pantheon. This time was slower, smaller art museums, more shopping, lots of sitting and biking, eating and walking. On the first of our three nights, we popped into a small collection of artisan clothing and jewelry creators, a flea market of sorts. There was the woman who sold unused designer sunglasses from the 80s and 90s, the vintage record monger, the funky jewelry designer, and the woman who was making a statement with her jackets, vintage windbreakers and leather bombers and jean jackets, some of which she had painted This Is Not Gucci across the back in horror movie slasher font, and some with the backs covered in a full image of Mary and her sacred heart. Chris found the Mary jacket first. You have to get this, he said. I have an unlikely collection of Marys in my life. The bracelet I bought 13 years ago, made from an old key and a small painted holy mother and child. I wear it ceremonially whenever I want to honor women or I'm proud of my kids and figure I should bless my own mothering. There's the icon Chris gave me a few years back where the model of Christ in the lap of Mother Mary has obvious features of Down syndrome. There's my Our Lady of Guadalupe etched in gold and framed in the guest room, the Mary keeping me company in the kitchen via tea towel, and of course, I wake up to a large Ivanka Dimchuk icon of young Mary receiving the angel, gold dust flying all around her. Actually, now that I write it out, I think I might have a significant attachment to Mary, even though I've never been one to think of my love for certain saints in terms of prayer. I think of them as friends, close by to my dad and grandparents and all the secret saints never noticed, but just as necessary to the dream of God in the world, now part of the great crowd of witnesses cheering us beyond the thin places. In Amber Haynes and Seth Haynes' new collaborative book, The Deep Down Things, they share, among other stories, how Amber's spiritual abuse and subsequent silencing throughout her pursuit of the Anglican priesthood were part of their journey to the Catholic Church. Their story and their shared abilities to write gorgeous prose 
is interlaced with spiritual practices for those facing down their own dark seasons. Those learning to undo the inner knots that life has taught us to carry with us, along with those knots passed down from generation to generation. Amber has found solace in Mary, learning to go to her as a gentle and loving presence, allowing herself to be mothered by the mother of Jesus. It stands to reason, Amber writes, that when I was considering Catholicism, Our Lady, Mary, the mother of Christ, gave me the most trouble. Is she really our mother? Did Jesus really mean for all of us when he told St. John in the midst of his passion to behold her as mother? It was a sweet idea, and that's how she stayed with me. A sweet idea of a meek mother who prays for us along with all the other saints. But something happens for Amber as she begins to seek healing from the pain of not only her spiritual abuse, but the layers of inherited and lived pain that she spent most of her adulthood pushing past. She comes to a conclusion that she needs to be mothered. I bought that jacket in Rome with its elaborate and in-your-face Mary sewn right on the backside with glittery golden thread. Imagining that its artist probably intended her Mary to live ironically on the backs of those who wear her clothes, making a statement about religion or about the church. Or maybe the artist simply thinks Mary is beautiful and she chose her as an image of light. Or maybe it doesn't matter why those of us who purchase her jackets wear Mary's face and her wide open glittered heart on our backs. The next morning, Chris and I toured the Galleria Borghese which hosts six of Caravaggio's paintings, the largest collection of his works anywhere. I have loved Caravaggio for almost 20 years since I first discovered his grotesque and wonderful The Incredulity of St. Thomas, in which Thomas's finger goes way too far into Jesus's skin to be church appropriate. Caravaggio pushed a lot of boundaries in what is church appropriate in his religious works. His paintings are simultaneously playful and dark and full of meaning that can't easily be parsed out. So seeing his giant painting, Madonna and Child with St. Anne, in which Mary, mother of Jesus, holds her foot out above the neck of the snake, her toddler son's foot on top of hers, ready to destroy it and the bitter story of sin that has plagued humanity since the snake deceived the first humans in the garden. Her mother, Anna, looking on approvingly, I am struck by the depth of Mother Mary and what it means to mother, that verb we too often use only as a noun, an idea clarified for me by Erin Lane's beautiful book on the topic. In this painting, Mary is mothered as she mothers, held up by the approval of her mom as she guides her son to his ultimate purpose. Caravaggio was making the case that Jesus wasn't able to smash the head of the snake aka evil, without Mary's help. She was necessary. She taught him to be himself. I love so many things about this painting, but especially that as Mary transforms the world through her mothering, she needs her own mom there to stand right beside her, telling her she's doing it right. Quote, I didn't ask myself until my 40s if I could ever let someone mother me. Amber writes, I was a full-grown woman who'd mothered boys and grown men alike before I ever asked God to help me allow myself such pleasure. I prayed a half-side prayer that if Mary really was my mother, would she show herself to me? 
This prayer awakens something in Amber that gives her a pathway toward the undoing of her knots. If the faithful saints cheer for us as we run the race, as Hebrews 12, 1 through 11 describes, then their cheers are living prayer, and Mary is queen mother in the midst of them. I have never gone to the saints for prayer. I don't think of them as sacred partners in that way, I suppose. Nor do I think of the divine solely as masculine. Perhaps this has helped me find my need for sacred mothering in the presence of God. But I felt a tender pull toward Amber's description of finding that when she asks Mary to pray for her, she is, quote, more able to name the knots of her own life. Which, quote, go quickly to her son and naming those knots and feeling them loosen up makes space for the love of God to come into those darker places and bring something like conversion. Amber calls her Mary undoer of knots. And I like that. Mary has always been to me a friend, her presence on my bracelet or beside my writing desk, a reminder of the way I want to live. Like the woman whose single poem in Luke chapter one is filled with the story of her people, hope, and with reminders of the cause of justice on this earth. A woman who knows her role and leans into it. A woman who knows the power of words, who carries the word into existence. But maybe I'll start calling her the undoer of knots as well, wearing my Mary jacket mostly unironically and holding to the courage that the young Galilean girl must have shown when she was picked above all others to show up bravely as herself. And like Amber, I'll ask myself in prayer how I need to be mothered, offering up my knots, believing that their detangling is of great and powerful value. A slow practice. One of the first contemplative practices I ever learned was sacred looking, also known as Visio Divina. In sacred looking, we use our sense of sight and our natural tendency toward visual beauty to come into the presence of God. Henry Nouwen's book, Behold the Beauty of the Lord, was a simple guide for my practice in this kind of prayer. Visio Divina was originally a practice of gazing on icons, those images of the divine and the saints that have been copied and passed down since the beginning of Christianity. I have found that all kinds of images can be a way into the presence of love. Here's one way to practice. Find a piece of art that speaks to you, or start here with that Ivanka Dimchuk icon or Caravaggio's Madonna and Child with St. Anne. I have links to both of them in the show notes. Set a timer for five, 10, or 15 minutes and make sure you don't have other distractions around you. As you stare at the image, allow your eyes to stay with the first thing you notice. Keep your attention on that area of the image, trying not to wander onto the rest. Allow yourself to gaze on that particular part of the image, breathing deeply for a minute. When you're ready, let yourself bring the rest of the image into focus as a whole. Keep this up for another minute or so. 
move on to asking yourself questions about what you see and how you're responding to it. What emotions are coming to the surface? Does this image evoke any sorrows, struggles, joys in your own life? Does this image lead you to specific words you want to pray? If so, spend some time praying through them. If you have a journal, you might want to write down your words, ideas, or struggles. And let's end with silence, focusing on our breath. Thanks for being here. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here is a way of refusing to conform with the culture around us. And look at us. We're making space for a fuller vision of ourselves and others, making space for wisdom, making space for love. And that, my friends, is no small thing. Just a note, as I record this, we Americans have been watching the horrific violence done to Israel by Hamas and the war crimes perpetuated against Palestinians by Israel in response. It's complicated and difficult to know what to do, but peacemaking requires action. If you are unsure how to respond to what you see and hear on the news, I'm including in my show notes a few places to start. This week, the Al-Ali Anglican Hospital in Gaza City was bombed killing hundreds of people. This hospital is still providing vital care for those who have been injured, even as children were killed in their courtyard. We can still give to their mission and the care of those suffering. I'll link to a place to donate. It's important we raise our voices on behalf of children and all the innocent in the crossfires of the war. If you don't know where to start, follow the advice of the Telos Group. They have a script written to help us communicate our desire to our congressional representatives for a U.S.-backed ceasefire in the region. I'm also linking to a document from an organization called Locally Led, which is full of links, informative articles, organizations to follow, and voices to trust when following the events in Israel and Palestine. I found it very helpful. One more thing, The Deep Down Things by Amber and Seth Haynes released last week. It's wonderful. Find its link in my show notes. As always, big thanks to Jason Boyette for designing our slow way graphic and the lovely Angelina Marie for editing. And also thanks to Owen Boyette for helping with my social media. My new book, Blessed Are the Rest of Us, How Limits and Longing Make Us Whole, is available for pre-order anywhere books are sold. Pre-orders can really affect how booksellers approach my book when it eventually releases in April. And I hope you'll consider clicking on the link in the show notes and supporting me in that way. Also, while you're thinking about supporting me, why don't you share this podcast or my Substack letter with a friend you think might enjoy it? Subscribing and sharing goes a long way. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify as well. I want to hear how this practice goes for you. 
Reach out to me on threads or Instagram at Micah Boyette. Thanks for being here with me. I will be right back here with you next week. I hope you'll meet me here too. Bye.